I'll have what she's having. I love relationships. I love romantic comedies. I love love. We don't know what Cinderella looked like because she's not real. Yes, they freaking got it. Really earn that happily ever after at the end. Change the writing. It's not that hard. Hello, all you hopeful romantics, and welcome to a very special episode of What She's Having, presented by Meet Cute, where a glass of rosé isn't required because today, frankly, I feel like Cabernet. I'm your host, Ashley Eskew, and my guest today is Kate Ward, aka the queen of all things pop culture. Kate is a journalist who started out at Entertainment Weekly writing about all your favorite shows and films and now is one of our favorite girl bosses who, unlike the Netflix show with the same name, is thriving as CEO of The Dip, our now favorite go-to place for all things Bravo TV and pop culture. She is a true connoisseur, truly. It was a little hard to keep up. And she loves all things rom-coms. We really cover it all. Kate is brilliant in every single way. And that is why it is my pleasure to share with you the guru of all things Fab Gab, Kate Ward. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? Good. I've got my customer service headset, it looks like I have here. <laughs> no, I love it. It looks great. AT&T would be lucky to have you. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'm glad I have a second career opportunity. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. It's so nice to meet you. I'm so mm-hmm. excited to get to know you, especially because you're such a connoisseur of rom-coms. Oh my gosh, yeah. I've been living and breathing them for my whole life, so so I'm excited to be able to talk about them. This is fun for me. Let's start off with something easy. Where did this passion begin? Gosh, I mean, I I did grow up on entertainment. So, you know, like I was never the kid that was watching Sesame Street or like Mr. Rogers or anything. Instead, I was watching old MGM movies. So, you know, my first love was probably like old musicals, like The Singing in the Rain and everything, which sort of in itself is a rom-com. Um, and then, you know, eventually, of course, growing up in the 90s, like you had no choice but to sort of fall in love with this whole, you know, genre of film. It was the prime Julia Roberts years, you know, it was the prime Sandra Bullock years. So like there was always all of these options to be able to take in and to love. And so inevitably that's sort of like where that came from. And then, you know, of course, seeing how it's evolved over the years has been so interesting. You know, you have sort of the, what happened to them in the early 2000s, which was sort of, you had like the more male lens applied to them with the Judd Apatow film, 40-year-old virgin, all of that. And suddenly most rom-coms were actually male-focused and, of course, running like two and a half hours long because that's a Judd Apatow movie, so it's always really long. And then eventually you have then the Bridesmaids Renaissance or like, you know, almost like the post-Sex in the City Bridesmaids you know, um, Renaissance. And then you have all these these women sort of kind of taking the genre, you know, back into their fold. And then people like Mindy Kaling trying to evolve it for TV. And so there's just so many um, opportunities to continue to invest in it. And it's so refreshing to see what has happened to the genre because it, it always has been seen as something that's very, um, low rent and, you know, like too girly and not actually worthy of any sort of awards or, um, you know, good reviews and everything. So it's been cool to see it evolve over time, but yeah, I kind of went through the whole span of all, all of rom-coms, I guess, but I've been, I've been a big fan of them since I was a kid. I mean, you did just kind of lay out the trajectory, but do you have a favorite period 
So I'm, I'm a very impatient person and I love the hour and a half long movie. And so there's a piece of me that misses like the nineties where like every movie was an hour and a half. Like even the, even the big films, like we're, we're still like relatively short. So I do love that era. I mean, it's like, it's like the Notting Hill while you were sleeping, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I did love the Judd Apatow era as well, even, but like, I think that it's pretty hard not to be nostalgic for kind of the, when they sort of reigned supreme in the nineties. So I'd say that's probably my favorite era. Okay. So Saturday night, friend over, bottle of wine open. What are you turning on? Probably TV, to be honest. <laughs> but um, like that's probably like Bachelor, which is its own form of a rom-com in a sense. <laughs> we can go there. That's interesting to me. I've had an interesting evolution with The Bachelor myself where I used to be obsessed with it and it was almost a goal to be on it. And mm-hmm. honestly, now at this point in my life, I'm like, wait, what values were instilled in me that I thought that was the goal? <laughs> It's selling a fantasy. It always has been selling a fantasy. You know, I think that now we kind of understand why people go on reality TV. Like they understand that if they are on there, they if they stick around for a while, they're able to get followers on their social media and are able to get spawn con and they can be in a place where they can actually support themselves with this as a career. It's, it's always confused me as the people, people who did it back in like the early 2000s when social media really wasn't a thing and they were hoping for some form of fame, but they knew they couldn't become that famous and they just wanted that 15 minutes. So that was always fascinating to me. So I always love watching like old episodes of reality because I think the motivations there are so different than the motivations today. Um, but I, I've kind of always been a cynical watcher or something like Bachelor. Like to me, it's never really been about like, oh, you actually are finding the one. It's kind of more of an opportunity to sort of laugh about the ridiculousness of what's happening on screen. So it is sort of like a rom-com for me that I'm watching this and I'm, I'm enjoying it on a level that is ridiculous while also kind of enjoying the, um, the aesthetic of it. Like it is pretty, it is pretty to look at. And so (laughs) there is some value to that, but yeah, I'm definitely a cynical watcher. I want to ask you why you think we're obsessed with the fairy tale, but I have to ask before I do, what do you think of the new female hosts as opposed to Chris Harrison? Oh my God. I'm so happy. I I actually love it. I thought that it was such a breath of fresh air. Um, I mean, Chris Harrison is just somebody I never really personally understood myself. I never understood what his purpose was. He kind of just would come in and say something and then leave. And I never felt that he really anchored the show in a way that sometimes like, like a Jeff Probst does in a way, like where you really feel like Jeff is really part of the show. Cause he's also like, you know, hosting the competitions and all that kind of stuff. And Chris is just sort of coming in and being like, you've got one more rose to give and then backing away slowly. But um, I actually love Tayshia and Caitlin. And it felt like to me, like there was a moment after the limo exits where typically Chris comes out and he's like, well, do you think that you've seen your husband here? And it's usually very serious in a moment after that's so not serious. Like these guys are just like dressed up as cats and they're in boxes. It's crazy. And I loved the season that Tasha and Caitlin were like laughing about it with her being like, oh my God, this is so crazy, isn't it? And it, it had this feeling of like, this is how you would talk about it with your friends. Whereas like, putting this heavy thing on it where like you have to find your husband like this is what you're here for you have to always felt like just a little bit too much intimidation for what was happening on screen I agree with you I think Chris Harrison very much gave single uncle that showed up at the children's birthday party when it was only like parents and children vibes yes that is perfect we kind of get why you're here but like I'm a little creeped out you're here and like please stand a little farther Mm -hmm. from the children um (laughs) (laughs) But I do have a yearning with the women 
I think there's two archetypes when we look at hosts. There's kind of the alpha and then the everyman that really works as mm-hmm. a host. Like I'm so passionate about what we're doing and I want this for you. And the women are kind of stepping into that, but I'm kind of hungry. I want them to be like the alpha. I want them to walk in and like Blake Lively pantsuits and be like, yeah, we've done this. We know what we're doing. I want that alpha power in those women. I don't, maybe that's a me thing. I mean, give it time. It's, it could be first season jitters. If they come back in for another season, you could maybe see a little bit more of that authority. Uh, I hope so. Why do you think things like The Bachelor have taken over our culture? And especially as women, we are obsessed with this fairy tale. I mean, from the MGM mm-hmm. days, like you brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, it is a socialization, right? So we've always sort of like, we've been read the fairy tales when we were a kid. We, you know, we had the Disney movies, Cinderella, all of that. And so what was always sold to you growing up was, you know, your dream should be to find the Prince Charming. And if you don't end up doing that, there's something wrong with you. And so there is this pressure as a woman to be able to settle down and find somebody who's going to love you. And to be able to do that in a fancy dress in a beautiful location, not many people have that ability. And so it is a little bit more of like, it's like wishful fulfillment viewing. Like you kind of get to see what could happen to you if you were on the show. And that includes like just these things that involve a lot of money and a lot of privilege that most people don't have. And so it is a fairy tale. Like it is our modern day version of Cinderella. And I do think people who are watching it less cynically, because there's a huge portion of the fans that actually do love it and watch it for the romance are kind of looking at it as a modern day fairy tale. And they want people to find love. They want to see people fall in love. And that on top of the fact that it's one of the few shows that people are actually watching when it's on these days, you know, like it is, it is one of the few water cooler shows left. So it's even if like, I, I, I would say myself, I'm not a huge fan of The Bachelor. Like I watch it every week, but if it wasn't something that everyone was talking about, I probably wouldn't watch it, but I love talking about something with the people. And so I feel like I'm, I'm opting in for that reason. So, but yeah, I think it's all just our socialization and what we were taught to, to prioritize and what we were taught to love. And I think it's no mistake that so many more women watch The Bachelor compared to men versus shows like Survivor, where it's probably a little closer to 50-50, you know? So there is a, there's definitely a reason, a deep-rooted reason for it. Do you think if your job was not to be a, basically the queen of pop culture that you would be watching it weekly? Um... If I was with my friends, yes. Like I, I, I do think it's it's a really fun friends watch. You get 10 people in a room. You kind of listen in and out to it. You're not really paying attention, but you're sort of like there. It's really, really fun. If not for that, I would never watch it alone. I can't imagine what it's like to watch it alone. It's so long. It's so, there's so much deadness throughout the show. Like the dates are kind of boring. Like the date, the one-on-ones are boring in my opinion, I, but that's not why I watch it. I watch it for the ridiculousness. So I'm waiting for like the big fights and all that kind of stuff. It's not like a Ted Lasso, which I've seen three times in the course of one month, you know, like I'm just obsessed with it, but, um, but yeah, so that's, it's, it is what it is. It's a fun watch with people. It's so interesting to me how absurd drama has become our white noise. I mean, it's there's something calming about it. I sometimes watch things that I'm like, well, thank God I'm not there. Like, I thank God that that's not me. And there are some things like that with, um, I think with things like housewives or things like Vanderpump rules or something where like, you see this, like this, this group of very dysfunctional people and you're like, well, thank God I'm not them, you know? (laughs) So there's, there is that flip side that still exists on other shows too, which is an interesting dynamic. Who is your favorite housewife of all time? Oh my God. That is so hard (laughs) because the problem is, is like most of them are not good people. So naming a favorite does not condone their behavior. 
I don't know how you get much better than Ramona Singer. And again, I do not condone her behavior. I think she's not the best person in the world, but she is so good for TV and has consistently been good for so long. She just, she had to figure it out. She knows how to be a housewife. She's excellent at it. So, um, so I'd have to name her, even though it's like, it hurts my soul to do it because she's not a good person, but none of them are. I do fear for Ramona Singer's mental health though. Like I genuinely worry that the show like will internally rip her apart. And I'm hoping she has an inner strength and that's just a character that I see on the television. I feel like, I feel like she's like Teflon. I feel like everything bounces off of her. It's just like, bloop, bloop, like nothing, nothing's internalized from what I can see. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I have such a different experience of her. I'm like, there is an internal buzzing that is so deeply unsteady that she is sharing with us. Yeah, because like even she has the twitches in her eyes, and I'm like, when, when oh yeah, I blow. When is she gonna blow? I'm waiting for it. That yeah, I can see that. Like I, like to me, it's almost that. Like I feel like there there is a Simpsons reference where uh, Homer, what's going on in Homer's head, and it's just like a little like bird dipping into water, like one of those little tools that can't, like goes into the water, or whatever. I just like there's nothing happening up there, right? And I feel like with Ramona, there's something buzzing, but it's not what's happening around her. There's like something else happening in her head. And it just, she's completely separated from it. <laughs> oh, we're sorry, Ramona. I mean, it's, inter- <laughs> it's interesting. We're gabbing about this programming that is basically all about women defined by men. You know, the bachelors in relationship to finding a man. Housewives, their literal title is you are a wife of that's it. I've never even thought of this of men. We're only looking at straight women, which I don't understand why that's the case. What programming yeah. do you think recently has pushed away from that archetype and given us a chance to look at maybe still love, but not defining a woman by her relationship? I think there's a lot of female creators that have done things that are really interesting that are trying to, to do that. I mean, there's even, even in the rom-com genre on Netflix for things that are actually geared a little bit towards a younger audience, um, have done a really good job with that. Like the, to all the boys I've loved before, like that was a great rom-com that wasn't necessarily all just about the romance. I also think series like Never Have I Ever, which is an excellent, excellent show on Netflix is really good at centering the experience more on what the woman is going through versus how they're defined by the people around her. And then we see it on Peacock, like, you know, we are lady parts, just like there are so many things that are coming out that feel like that they're re establishing what the experience is. And it's because we're finally getting more women behind the camera and, and writing and show running and being more a part of that process, which thank God, because the stories have been skewed for so long. And like, you know, I, I kind of went through the trajectory of, of rom-coms before already, but you know, how infuriating is it that in the nineties, you had this boon of, of female led rom-coms and everybody looked down on them. Everyone said they were terrible. And it wasn't until Judd Apatow started doing rom-coms that everyone's like, oh wait, no, these are like, rom-coms are excellent. They're good now. And it's, oh, because it's a man doing it because it's through the male perspective so suddenly it's good and so like that's infuriating that that's the way that these things have developed is that if a woman's making it it's not as important or it's not as good or it's not as funny because men are funnier men are you know men have more depth to them or whatever so I'm so thrilled that we kind of gotten past that in a way that now we can kind of say no women are really funny women are able to create really great work and the when they are able to write themselves, it's not like a knocked up scenario where you have the woman that is frankly written like a shrew, the way that Catherine Hagel very astutely said and was punished in Hollywood for saying it. Instead, you have people that have a little bit more of like, you know, uh, a fully fleshed out personality. 
Um, and I know, you know, you people are trying to do this in the industry, like Shonda Rhimes and everything, who has done a really good job of doing that across the board, um, even on procedural type shows and everything. So it's just more of like a renaissance, I think, in the industry of more women being able to take control of that, of the narrative within even a show itself, right? It's like it's taking control of the narrative of their own and then in a show. And it's just so great to see. When you were in your teens and early 20s and we didn't have these models necessarily, how did that affect your lens of love? In the 90s and rom-coms, it was very clear that only certain people deserved love, right? So even when you think about like, and I, you know, I love Sandra Bullock movies. I love them. But you look at something like Miss Congeniality where she is seen as a project and initially she is like, you know, quote unquote, ugly, right? And she's, but she looks just like Sandra Bullock and she just happens to eat, but that's, that's deemed not lovable. So let's fix her to make her actually lovable. And that is a trope that has existed in so many different uh, movies growing up. There's some things that like that really, I think age really well, like something like 10 things I hate about you. I watched that again recently. And I'm like, this actually like holds up in 2021. And it also was because probably it was written by a woman. And, you know, so there was, there was actually a little bit of a, a good, lens on it but but yeah no you, you kind of were taught early on that like only certain people are deserving of love you never saw a woman who was um you know who was fat that was falling in love that just was never a part of the storyline you never saw a woman that was not white falling in love so it was definitely this 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 singular experience you had to be beautiful you also had to be self-deprecating you couldn't be too full of yourself so you had all of these conflicting things happening you have to you know believe in yourself and believe that you're an amazing woman but also don't believe in yourself too much don't have too much confidence because that's not attractive but be beautiful but don't be too beautiful be relatable beautiful so you watch these things growing up and you're basically like well there's no chance for me you know like no matter how much i fit within these tropes and even a certain way like you know i, I it's not gonna it's not gonna happen for me because i can't hit every single button that I need to, to hit. I will never be Julia Roberts. I will never be Sandra Bullock. I will never be Catherine Hagel. These people that like were kind of set up as deserving it. So I, while I think that it's, it's, they're so funny. They're so, they're so great to watch. I still love them. It definitely does tell a certain type of story that is, that, that doesn't reach out to everybody as the way that it should. So to see more storylines like that, I mean, even someone recently, like, you know, with the mini project, seeing someone like Mindy Kaling as somebody who was very confident, knew that she like deserved love and everything, like how refreshing to be able to see that because it was a different looking person that we, that we were used to seeing. And that just kind of makes acceptance so much easier across the board when we all realize that we all are coming from things that are different perspective and a different life experience and we need to embrace that and understand that everyone deserves love have you watched the season of master of none yet i have not no i i have heard that it's not the happiest and i'm kind True. of like i'm i'm definitely like in a place where i'm only really enjoying watching things that make me smile make me laugh right now <laughs> That's fair. It seems like after a very heavy year, comedy is becoming more and more important. Yeah. And, and, and I think ridiculous comedy. And I think we've seen this with things like, you know, two of the biggest comedies during pandemic that I can name are Eurovision and Barb and Star. These are two ridiculous films, ridiculous, like totally insane. And I think that there was a certain release in that where people can watch this and be like, I'm watching something so dumb, but it's so silly and it's making me laugh. 
And after like so many years of really like heavy projects in pop culture, heavy movies, things that were like really tough to take in sometimes, I think we'll probably see a little bit more of silliness because I think people are kind of ready to kind of like let loose a little bit and laugh about stupid things again. You look at Barb and Star, that's an example of like, while there is a love story in that, and I'll put quotes around it because it's such an insane (laughs) love story, it still is mostly about the love story between the two leads barb and star right it's about friendship and that's the other thing too is like back in the 90s back in those days like there wasn't much out there you had romeo and michelle that focused on friendship but that was a very rare movie mm-hmm. otherwise everything was if you were a woman you're trying to get the companionship of a man versus i think now there is more out there that are that's reflecting getting companionship in other women or in other people like you or other you know other people that kind of help complete you whether or not there's somebody who you marry romeo and michelle i don't think it's enough credit Oh, it's so good. It's such a good movie. (laughs) I think we remember the fashion so vividly, but Mm -hmm. thematically, they're basically struggling with not feeling enough and their strength is in the strong relationship they've built with each other. Right. Like they feel the need to tell everybody that they invented post-its because they feel lesser by not being, you know, the most rich, successful person there and they don't have a man on their shoulders. But then eventually, of course, they learn that like what they have is each other and they're actually bad, badass babes and they don't need anybody. I mean, you clearly have this incredible relationship to pop culture and rom-coms, right? You were the editor at Bustle and now you've created the dip. Like what is it inside of you that drives you to like keep on commenting on this content and putting it out there and talking about it and making sure that like it resonates and reverberates out with all of us. Why have you made that your life's work? It sort of has been just ingrained in me since I was younger, right? I mean, this is what I grew up with. Like I started Entertainment Weekly and was able to kind of sit in this entertainment world for as long as I did. And then, you know, went to Women's Lifestyle with Bustle and everything. But then Um, you know, I really didn't miss pop culture. I felt like I really wanted to kind of go back and talk about it all the time and, you know, be able to have other like-minded people to talk about The Bachelor with or whatever that was on and really go in depth on that stuff too and have these sort of like nerdy conversations and be able to talk about like the history of things, why things happen, why things work the way they do. And so to me, being able to build something that allowed people to do that was something that I got really passionate about. And so, you know, my co-founder and I decided like, hey, you know, people are as obsessed with entertainment as ever. Like their passions are run so deep with some of these projects and genres and everything. Like even like the fact that we've been able to talk about so many of these things without referencing anything. Like we, it's all in our heads, it's all in our brains. We live and breathe it. So um, being able to really have more of that and have more of that conversation and be able to live in that joy with so many people. That to me is what we're really aiming to do and help people just like voice their passions and, and, and talk about it because it's always something that makes you instantly connect to somebody when you're at a party and you're able to find a common ground in entertainment, you know, that you have a friend for the rest of the night. Like you're not going to have a problem, you know, talking with those people. It's not like when you find somebody that's like, I don't own a TV and you're like, Oh no, what do I do? <laughs> like I've, I have nothing to talk about with this person. <laughs> What's the film that if, or television show that if someone like says at a party or catches your reference, you're like, okay, you're in, you're good people. Yeah. I mean, typically Bravo is an easy one because I think Mm. like people who enjoy Bravo are all sort of the same type of person and, and you can, and you really can talk about it all night. There's no shortage of things to talk about. Um, you know, I think that there's some, some nerdy things from my childhood. Like there is sort of like, you know, people that loved the Simpsons, SNL, um, 
you know, uh, MST3K. These are not rom-coms by any means, but these are things that, you know, I sort of was raised on and like, you can get really nerdy with it that you kind of know, okay, we came from the same ilk. Like we, we grew up in the same exact way so we can talk about it. So, um, you know, I think that the only thing for me that I can't connect on is like Star Wars <laughs> for some reason. That one I just totally never really got into, never my thing. So everything else I can connect with anybody on that. And it's so, it's so great to be able to find people that actually feel the same way. Okay. I have some audience questions for you. Are you game? Yeah. Okay. Who is your favorite rom-com best friend and why that's from Jody in Tampa? Well, so it's hard not to say Judy Greer because she is like the ultimate like rom-com best friend. Right. And she's the one who's never really gotten her place in the sun too often. I mean, I, I I've loved her ever since 13 going on 30 and, ev- and literally everything else that she's done. So um, it's pretty hard not to say her because she is the rom-com best friend. I'd like to counter you with Katherine Hahn. And then is there any way we can start a campaign to make this Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but with the best friends in the rom-com happen? Oh my God. I would love that so much. I would love that. And, and Kath- Catherine Hahn is excellent too. And it's, it's interesting watching her finally kind of get the attention that like she kind of has deserved for so long because I remember way back in like Anchorman like she was like such a standout in in that with a very very small role so um you know all it takes is just one connection to Disney and suddenly you are like the biggest star on the planet so (laughs) being cast (laughs) in any sort of Marvel project will get you where you need to be so good for her yeah I mean we've we've talked about how it's a renaissance right now but I've, I mean, she's done some like really crazy stuff. Like I love Dick that I think is just as resonant as the early stuff. But I remember her in how to lose a guy in 10 days and just like her inability to get over a breakup. I was like, oh, that's what I actually struggle with. <laughs> that might be my own personal backstory though. <laughs> well, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know how they're doing that show now? Like, um, you know, Kevin can go fuck himself or whatever. Yes. And it's basically like what ha- that meta thing of like when, when Kevin walks out of the room, what is that woman dealing with? And I feel like you could have that whole thing also with like the best friend in the rom-com, right? Like, like they're sometimes the more interesting people, like what's going on with them? Like what, what is happening in their world? And like, let's have a movie about that. So you could extend that, I think. Yeah. I think they're always the more interesting people, arguably, except for maybe unless Billy Crystal's playing your leading man, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, speaking of which Rory and Sussex would like to know who to you is the ideal leading man and why the ideal leading. Okay. This is, I mean, look, I love Dwayne, the rock Johnson. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting he's not, that. He's, he's not a rom-com person, okay. but he is like, he is a leading man of our, of our time. Like he is, he is amazing. I will watch anything he does. I, I think he's incredible. I buy his tequila. It's, you know, I, I, I'm in, I'm in. Okay. So, um, I'm a big fan of him. Oh, for rom-coms. I don't know that one. That is really, really hard. Um, well, what's the rom-com you'd want to see with the rock then pitch me something. Oh my God. Well now <laughs> dream scenarios, man literally anything. I can tell you who I, like, I think the, the weird era of leading men, like with like Gerard, Gerard Butler and all that, like that was like off to me. Um, you know, of course, like, yeah, Billy Crystal is fantastic. I've never really loved Matthew McConaughey as a romantic lead. I like him a little quirkier in some of his roles. So like, for me, that was never really what I loved. Um, why don't you like him but, as a romantic lead? Cause he's so many people's go-to. 
Yeah. And for me, it's not, it's, it, there's just, he's so much, he, there's something to him that's a goofier to me that I feel like as a character actor, like when he's in Wolf of Wall Street, like that's kind of how I prefer to watch him yeah. versus, you know, that, that character. But I mean, also like Hugh Grant, I'm sorry. I mean, Hugh Grant is like the best, is the best leading man for sure. Like if for a rom-com, he's perfect. He's self-effacing. He's charming. He's got a British accent. Like he's sort of like everything that you look for in a rom-com lead. So I guess I'd have to say like, he is definitely the best for me. Michelle in Newport would like to know what is the best rom-com go-to for humor? So this is one of my favorites is, um, while you were sleeping. And I know that's not like conventionally like hilarious, but it actually is really funny. There are so many, like there's dinner table scenes with the whole family that are really funny and really relatable. If you have any sort of big family scenarios, there's also like a scene in which this kid like rides his bike and totally just like, like falls in a way that is hilarious. And I think it wasn't planned. I think that that was actually like an accidental part of the shoot, but it's like really physical humor is funny too. So that one, I actually, I find myself laughing a lot when I'm watching while you were sleeping, even though it's kind of more of a traditional rom-com. Otherwise, like, you know, I do think like 40 year old virgin, I always kind of went for a good watch or for a good laugh. Um, and the ridiculous ones, like I, I do think something like Barb and star is hilarious and just stupid and just so much fun to watch and just sort of like turn your brain off and, and get silly for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, didn't Samuel L. Jackson play a crab in that? Or was it, wasn't it Morgan Freeman? It was, it was Morgan. It was Morgan Freeman. Whoever was in Shawshank, that was Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't actually him. I looked it up later and I actually thought it was him, but it was an impersonator. Yeah. So that, that also did kind of disappoint me. I was like, oh man, I really wanted to believe that Morgan Freeman was a crab. Isn't it, is it less funny if it's not Morgan Freeman? (laughs) I mean, then you're just wondering what's going on behind the scenes that they're like, yeah, let's just do it. Just do a Morgan Freeman accent that that works. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just picturing Annie and Kristen, like two bottles of wine in being like, and what about this crab? And they're like, it's in, it's in. I do love that question though. What's your, what is your go-to for a good laugh? Oh, um, I'm kind of A to C comedy, which any comedian will tell you is, is not great. Um, you know, it needs to be A to B, but there's some stuff in girls where I'll laugh like two scenes later by the stuff that Adam Driver's doing. Actually, mm. I find mm-hmm. him deeply funny in his ability to step into a character, honestly, because I just find like people with point of views different that are different than me, but so fully inhabited, hysterical. I won't mm-hmm. laugh out loud, but that'll give me like the, oh, that's funny. It's, it's right, like right. Saying, the internal like satisfaction of like, I, I see this and I get it. And so that to me is funny. Yeah, I could see that. If we're talking about laugh out loud though, like Princess Bride, it's just- Oh, love Princess Bride. And it's the type of humor that I don't hate myself for liking. Well, it's pretty hard to hate that movie. Like it's, it's just, it's just so pleasant. Like the whole experience of watching it is just so pleasant through and through. Like, and it's one of those movies that actually everybody loves. Like you cannot find me a single person who wouldn't sit down and love that movie. It's, it's perfect from beginning to end. I think that and Arrested Development might be my sitting at a party, talking to someone. Do we have a similar throw in a musical in there? And I'm like, oh, you're, you're someone I will respect. I'm currently rewatching Arrested actually for like probably like the fifth time, but going through that, it's such, it's so good. And what I love about that is actually watching it in a binging style is you actually pick up on all the things that they were doing. Cause they're like, I continue to see things with every rewatch that I have, like 
it's incredible what they what they did like for every scene to try to tie it all together it's I love I love a long game joke like and definitely most of the jokes that that Mitch writes is like they're all long game jokes (laughs) his brain to I I mean being John Malkovich was interesting but being Mitch Hurwitz would be something I would love to see if some genius could capture that I would be game but Judy Greer in Arrested Development as Kitty is actually genius the physical comedy that she's working yeah she's so good (laughs) okay you've made it to the lightning round girls or sex in the city sex in the city happy ending or ambiguously hopeful happy ending mary kate and ashley or elizabeth olsen mary kate and ashley (laughs) they'll solve any crime by dinner time i'm very basic (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no I like that I embrace the basic um start the night with red roses or red wine red wine and finally what is the greatest act of love you've ever witnessed oh my god I mean it's not going to be a big gesture because that's like hollow but god what do people say to this what do people usually answer um, it's across the board, but generally it goes back to parents love and they'll bring up a specific instance, um, or dealing with loss in their life. It really varies. Um, I guess we, God, didn't- so it gets, it gets serious and dark. I was like trying to think like, when did somebody bring me a really good pizza? <laughs> that's see, but I think that's the, just as valid. I mean, I'm okay. Well today today I'm actually, so I, I, I'm not a fan of country music and I bought my husband tickets to a Kenny Chesney show back in 2019 that were supposed to happen in 2020. And obviously it didn't happen. And then it got moved back to today, but then it got moved back again. So we are actually doing our own version of the concert today. And we have a bunch of like fun, like, like I have a lay right here. I've got like these, like funky sunglasses ready to go like we are ready to like do do a tailgate concert style and do something ridiculous and I can't stand country music so I think that that's that's my my act of love for the day at least (laughs) and for the listeners I think that is the greatest act of love I have ever witnessed (laughs) (laughs) there you go there you go thank you so much Kate before we go I just want you since you're the expert five things we all should watch in the next month lay them out um, okay. Well, I just started watching. I mean, I know I just started watching it, so I can't tell how it goes up, how it goes, but girls five of it is a lot of fun, especially if you grew up with spice girls and just like, you know, that whole era of girl, girl band stuff. Um, Ted, La- I will always say Ted Lasso. My answer to what, what you watch will always be Ted Lasso because it is, it is so heartwarming. So lovely. You cannot help, but walk away with a gigantic smile on your face. So could not recommend that more. Um, happy endings is now on Netflix. If you haven't experienced that the first time you definitely should, because it is such a gem of a TV series and was definitely canceled too soon. So mm-hmm. definitely check that out. Um, 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 uh, definitely, uh, this is nothing to, this is, this is the opposite of love, but Hey, rock of love is a great reality oh. series of its time. <laughs> if you want to laugh and you want to watch Brett Michaels, just love women. He just loves women. Um, it is, it is a really, really, really fun watch. Um, and then what would be my fifth thing that people need to watch? What do people need to watch? Um, 
Then I'd also say, well, I mean, while you're sleeping, I, I, it is my favorite rom-com. And I think that it's, it's one of those that people don't talk about enough. And in the nineties, everyone talks about like the Notting Hills and like the even sleepless in Seattle and everything. But that while you're sleeping to me is just like the best. So appreciate it and love it is what I would say. I get it. Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman, a sleeping Peter Gallagher. How can- yeah. You can't get Come any on. better. You, you can't, you can't lose. <laughs> also, there's some amazing trench coat fashion that no one's really talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kate Ward, for being with us today. I so appreciate it. So nice meeting you. Yeah, thank you. It's so fun to chat. <laughs> I appreciate it. Gosh, that girl knows her stuff. What a fun chat. Also, I always, especially in junior high, wanted to be the girl with the low, gravelly, sexy voice, especially because mine is so like nasal and belly girl. Oh, Kate, I'm obsessed with you in so many ways. Please go check out Kate and all of her brilliant work at thedip.com. And while you're on the internet, make sure to check out Meet Cute's newest season of stories, Cruise Ship written by that master storyteller and New York Times best-selling author of Pretty Little Liars, Sarah Shepard. We interviewed her last week if you missed it. Cruise Ship has everything listeners want. Romance, humor, adventure, a cat fashion show. Hey, all on the high seas. Cruise Ship is available on all podcast apps. But don't forget to subscribe to Meet Cute on Apple Podcasts to listen to over 200 unique Meet Cute stories for just 99 cents a month. We'll be here too, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, as well as reach out to us on Instagram at Meet Cute or on Twitter at Listen Meet Cute. We can't wait to hear all your questions and stories for our upcoming guests. Well, that's it for us. I'll see you next time. This is Ashley Eskew and... I'll have what she's having.